Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Golazo. We recap all the Wednesday Champions League action with Jimmy Conrad and James Benge. And we, of course, begin the show with a tribute to Diego Armando Maradona. Stay right here because the show begins right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Que Golazo. We have Jimmy Conrad and James Bench, and we're going to talk about, of course, all the action, as I mentioned in the intro from Wednesday in the Champions League. But we begin, we begin with the news of Diego Maradona, Diego Armando Maradona. Obviously, it's not breaking anymore all over the world. Uh, the legendary Argentinian Boca Juniors, Napoli, Barcelona star, um, passed away at the age of 60. And to be honest, guys, I just want to begin with some quick thoughts from both of you on, on this legacy. Obviously, everything that you want to know from this man is right now social, uh, whether you read something or a video from CBS, of course, but I really want to hear your, your thoughts. Jimmy, let's begin with you. Well, I'm still in shock. I'll start there. It's one of those things when you have immortalized somebody for so long, for them to actually pass away and to be a mere mortal at that point is, is really interesting to absorb from my perspective. And then when you go on social media and you see how everybody's feeling collectively, you kind of, I don't know, you, you hearken back to the past to like a a warmer time, you know, when everything was necessarily good, but just you were nostalgic for, for something that uh, was happier, I, I would say. And, and uh, I think Diego Maradona in a lot of different ways brought a lot of families together. You know how certain athletes or certain moments in your life can do that, sports can do that. And not only was he that type of guy, but he also transformed the game by himself, obviously going to Napoli and, and, and making history there and, and winning a World Cup, putting Argentina on his back in 86. That was the first World Cup I can remember as a kid was looking through grainy thing and just seeing this little number 10 with his shorts way too high. I think, uh, you know, dicing up defenders and making the game look easy, making the impossible look possible. And it's a sad day in a lot of different ways. And, and uh, he had to wear his flaws on his on his sleeve. You know, most of us human beings get to have our flaws more often than not in private. And he had to wear them on his sleeve because he was such a famous person and such a public figure. And, you know, he didn't necessarily handle it well, but that's just part of what made him even more great was that he was a human being and that he was trying to do the best he could and it didn't always work out for him. And it's just a sad day overall. I could go on and on about the guy. Absolutely. Uh, well said. James, uh, thoughts from you on, on today and, and Maradona's passing? I mean, I found it... I found it so strange because it's a very strange thing where it takes the passing of someone like Maradona to remind you of how human these people are. Because for me, I, I never came to associate Maradona as, as a person. Uh, he was, a, he's a legend, not in the, you know, the way that we sort of say that in an offhand way, but he just, he never felt real. It's, it, 
he, his stories became our mythology. You know, I mean, I said, for me, it felt like when David Bowie died that I couldn't quite compute that this man had had kind of walked among us. It, it doesn't feel natural that someone could do with a football what Diego Maradona could, m much like, you know, what David Bowie could do with a few musical instruments. And I, I still struggle to really compute the idea that, that Maradona was and is unfortunately no longer with us. Um, I mean, finally, you see how much this, if you ever go to places like Naples, I'm, and I'm sure I've never been to Buenos Aires, but I'm sure it's like that times a hundred. That almost, that's what informed that, you know, me experiencing him as this mythical figure is, that is his city. You know, there are bars that are plastered with reminders of Maradona, of what he achieved and what he meant to people. The idea that one individual could bring such joy and, you know, we all know there are, there are numerous dark sides to Maradona, as there are to many geniuses. But, you know, that one man could bring such joy, I think, is a, it's a, just remarkable and really special. And I'm not sure how many like him we will see again. Yeah, very well said from both of you. Um, if you have a chance, everybody, also listen to Andres Cantor. I talked to him today. You know, Argentinian, obviously one of the most recognizable voices in, in world football, but Argentinian, he knew him. He was there in, in Naples when he was, uh, you know, on the verge of winning his second Scudetto as well. He was there at the Azteca when, you know, they lifted the trophy in 1986. He knew him as a person. So everything they just said, James, about like when Osiris and what he meant to them, like when I was talking to him, he was just, he broke down. It, 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 that's how much he meant. And I, both your points are exactly right. It's, it seems just not real. And the only thing that I'll say, because I've already written about it and, you know, talked about it so much, is only just quote Eduardo Galeano, the very famous Uruguayan writer, when he talked about Maradona. And one of the most famous, important things that he said about him was like, not only was Maradona adored because of everything that he did, right, on the pitch, but because he was a dirty god. <laughs> he was the most human of gods. You know, the one that had all the flaws that came along with the prodigious talents that he had. And that's why we feel so connected in many ways and all the controversies and everything that he's gone through, of course, I think it's because of that. He just couldn't handle the fact that he was almost eternal, you know? Uh, and I always carry this picture right here next to my office. You know, it, it, it's, you know, it, the one where he's just facing all those players from Belgium and it's just, it's just such a reminder that that's literally like such a good metaphor for his life. You know, it's him against the world in many ways. Uh, and that's why I'm wearing Argentina today. That's what we started the show with. So Diego Armando Maradona to his friends and family, rest in peace, rest, uh, you know, in power and, 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 you know, forever. May you ever live in YouTube and shoeboxes and posters and magazines and essays and writings and everything else. So thank you so much, Diego Armando Maradona. When we come back, we will break down all the action from Wednesday's Champions League. Stay right here. All right, let's talk about the action Wednesday Champions League. The first part, both of you, was kind of like, where are the goals? But then they came in the second, and so did the red cards. Manchester City booked their ticket to the knockout stages. Bayern Munich as well. And... I got a bone to pick both of you because I knew that Atalanta were going to do something and I was going to go for the win, but I didn't. I said, now nah, I'll hold back. 
These guys are experts. They know what they're talking about. I guess it'll be a draw. And Atalanta did it. Jimmy, let's begin with you. And let's begin um, with that game, actually. Atalanta just taking it to Liverpool, you know, playing more conventional, I guess, you know, just really holding off and getting that victory. Uh, qu quite a win there. Yeah, I think it speaks to Atalanta's new, uh, I don't know, pride in defending. They had a 0-0 result against Spezia this past weekend, and then they come in midweek. They're going to Anfield where no teams ever win, and they get a win. They didn't do it with Duvan Zapata up top. Uh, they left him on the bench maybe for myriad reasons, but but he wasn't in there. So I was thinking, all right, maybe they're throwing a little makeshift lineup as well. Liverpool's was definitely makeshift, and I thought in some ways it was so makeshift, playing so many younger guys in pretty important positions that if, I don't know if Jurgen Klopp's trying to send a message to everybody. They're like, this, this isn't fair to have this condensed of a schedule. That said, you still had Salah starting. You still had Mane starting. And with those two guys in the, in the team, and then Firmino ended up coming on, and Diego Jota came on, they had no shots on goal the whole game. 90 minutes at Anfield, no shots on goal. And I want to maybe take less credit, or not maybe put this on Liverpool, but just give a lot more credit to Atalanta for really just having that spirit that they need. And now this group for me is wide open because I actually did the business against Michelin. And I actually questioned Jurgen Klopp's tactics. I want to talk to Benj a little bit about this too and hear your third thoughts too, Luis. I feel like because he had the horses at his disposal, Jurgen Klopp, why not just go get it now? Mm. Beat Atalanta, get the full 12 points in the group, four wins out of four, make sure you book your ticket to the knockout rounds. And then you can relax for match day five and match day six. Instead, now it's nine points for them on top. And the other two teams have seven. This, I know they have to play each other, Ajax and Atalanta. But still, like, now it's all up for grabs. And now you just add a little bit more drama to something that you didn't need to if you just would have rolled out your best team. Yeah, bench to you, to that point. Yeah, I'm a hundred, I, I literally just wrote that in my, in my takeaways. I, I thought that was, it was really self-defeating. And, you know, ultimately, he is going to, you know, on Saturday at 12.30, and he's indignant about having to play a game at Saturday at 12.30. He's away to Brighton. That's three points in the bag, whichever, you know, if you'd rolled out the team you played tonight at Brighton. Exactly, Ben. Go ahead, completely. keep going. <laughs> and um, I just... It, it, it sort of beggared belief. You know, I'm looking at the shots here and obviously, as Jimmy said, none on target. The players that actually took the shots are Nico Williams, Joel Matip, James Milner, um, and the only other one went to Mo Salah. So, I mean, that was miles off. He had an XG of 0.06. So it wasn't even a proper chance, really. Um, I just a little bit of love for Atalanta as well. I was surprised they didn't start forward. I think that was kind of just to really test this, this makeshift Liverpool defence of Matip and Williams. And they had no reference point. Ilicic was maybe the centre forward, but he kept drifting off mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, Papu Gomez, I don't want to kind of rake over this ground too much, but I just I adored seeing a small Argentinian wearing the number 10 shirt and having the time of his life. Um, I thought that was a really special moment tonight. Um, yeah. But yes, I mean, going back to that Liverpool point, it's really self-defeating. I don't know if he's done this to make a point, but if you're able to bring on Fabinho, um, Firmino, Jota, you kind of think you're not also able to take them off to win the, try and win the game in the first 60 minutes and then then withdraw them and, and you know prepare for Saturday that way. He's made a real rod for his back over the coming weeks and you've got um, Ajax away and then Wolves at home. It, it's gonna He's going to end up playing these starters even more now because of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we will just take a quick pause right here because we know that, Jimmy, you are a wanted man. So if you wanted to say any final thoughts on anything, because Inter Milan, Real Madrid, I know that was a tough one right there. Yes, that was a tough one. I've got, uh, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to Arturo Vidal because he pretty much crashed out on all my bets because he got a red card. Inter didn't look very good today. I do want to give a shout out to Bayern and, R- and, uh, and RB Salzburg for scoring and to Robert Lewandowski. I had that bet. Lewandowski scoring, both teams to score and Bayern to win. So I just want to leave everybody on a high note. I nailed a bet today and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. James Bench, always great to see you. Love your insight. And Luis, thanks for having me as always. Jimmy, you are a legend. You always keep it rolling. And Jimmy will be back as well tomorrow as well as we preview some MLS and weekend preview as well. Jimmy, take care, brother. Later. Welcome back, everybody. James Bench and yours truly. We continue to chat. And as James was saying, you know, a disappointing strategy from Jurgen Klopp, because now as you look at Group D, Liverpool uh, has nine points, Ajax with seven, Atalanta also with seven, Michelin, of course, they're done and dusted. But, you know, it's not done and dusted in terms of getting to the knockout stage for Jurgen Klopp. So it will be interesting to see. However, Man City did punch their ticket to the knockout stages, 12 points, uh, beating Olympiacos today. And, you know, James, I remember in the preview, we were discussing how, yeah, they're getting the job done. But in a sort of uh, non-flamboyant, non-interesting kind of way, what did you see from City today? Do you think? I was, I was talking about this with um, Mike, our editor, um, and it was a hugely effective Manchester City performance in that they absolutely killed Olympiakos's attacking game, stone dead. Olympiakos didn't have a shot till the 88th minute, and um, they had two in total the entire game. A game they kind of could could have done with winning. But by God, City were boring in killing off this game. And I mean, I think for me, the two interesting things were these two young forwards, Phil Foden, who is wonderful and has a great habit, which he's already developed as a teenager of just ghosting into the box at just the right moment. It's Frank Lampard-esque, to be honest with you. You think someone like him, he's going to take loads of shots from outside the box, but it's perfectly positioned. A lovely little finish with his left foot. And then Gabriel Jesus. And I have to admit, I can't work out what I think about him because is he an Aguero successor? I don't really know. Um, And he's so good that I want to find out. But there's a lot of chances go missing and a lot of chances that don't happen because he, he just has drifted out wide. And I know that's what Guardiola wants from a striker, but just feels like it's missing that focal point without Aguero. Yeah, it's a tough one. Well, you know, Gabriel Jesus is the highest scoring league Brazilian player ever, you know, so it's not like he's not, you know, just some scrub, but to your point, I think he's not a lone striker. He's a, he's somebody that really feeds off. Like if he was playing, for example, with Real Madrid and it was him and Benzema, like I I would feel that his productivity would be more, but you make a very good point. And specifically, when you're thinking of all these stats that you talked about, I mean, one nothing, 60% possession, probably even more from Man City, 22 shots. I mean, it should have been way more, you know, and just completely dust them off. But Pep Guardiola will only care about one thing, and that's three points and making through, making sure that they made it to the knockout stages. And that's exactly what they did. Marseille, they needed this. We talked about it. There were two <laughs> red cards in this game. Porto took over. And it's pretty much all over. So as you see it right now, uh, Man City are through. Porto uh, 
Not quite, but all they really need to do is just get that point in the fifth game and then it's over. And that's your group C. Were there anything interesting? I mean, Marseille was just Marseille, basically. They couldn't take care of business. I mean, they're interesting. They're fascinating because they're going to need a new manager. I know Jonathan is, is pretty convinced that um, this is going to cost AVB his job. It's just so tame and it's a bit, it's so not what you expect of Marseille. They're always a bit, they've always been a bit sly, but they get, they're a bit ruthless and you always see them in the, well, you kind of, when they're in the Champions League, they get to the last 16 and you're, how on earth did they get there? And this has just been so underwhelming. And I mean, it's the sort of run of games that loses a manager a job, however well he's done elsewhere. Yeah, really bad. Yeah, I mean, and I think his destiny was probably already sealed even before this. But we move on and Group B, because we have to talk about this one. Really, this could have been the game that we started with. But alas, here we are. Munching Gladbach, uh, once again, with a great performance, beating Shakhtar Donetsk for nothing. So they're top of Group B. And Inter Milan, you needed this win. Jimmy talked about it earlier. You needed this victory, and there you have it. Real Madrid took care of business and won 2-0. Arturo Vidal gets a red card, and here's Madrid. Uh, Rodrigo punishes them. Um, At some point, I thought Lucas Vasquez played really well as well in this one, and um, with Eden Hazard getting that penalty to begin and kick things off. Actually, it wasn't even a Rodrigo goal. It was a Hakimi own goal. But regardless, 2-0 for Real Madrid. And now Inter Milan are done. They're done and dusted. They only have two points. I mean, they're done and dusted from the Champions League, that's for sure. Uh, and you have Real Madrid now with seven, with one point behind watching Gladbach. How did you see this game? It all just it all just pivots on that, that red card. And the joy for, I think both Jimmy and I were saying, that, oh, well, we think Inter Milan might do this. Hey, they might have. But Arturo Vidal went... I mean, you know, we can debate whether it's a red card. For me, I actually think quite strongly it is because I think if you don't stamp this stuff out, then it gets worse and worse. And also, like, if Arturo Vidal did that to you, Luis, your immediate reaction would be, how can I get this man as far away from me as possible for as long as possible? Get that red card. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm Peruvian. Right. So like if a Chilean does that to me, then 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 the question is, is, is who else can I bring into this battle? But yes, your point is valid. And that's such a Vidal thing to do, too. It's like, you know, when you wear the crown, it's usually for a reason. Right. Uh, no pun intended, because I know they, they call him El Rey, the King Arturo Vidal. But listen, aside from that, forget about Vidal. Let's talk about Antonio Conte here, James Bench, because like once again, he contes it up. Right. This is just another situation where Europe is just not his friend. And, you know, two points and realistically something could happen. But come on, they're five points away from Real Madrid in second and they have to help for a miracle in order to make something happen. Right. Because they got what they got two games left now, which is six points. But you don't Real Madrid. There's no way they're going to lose the next two. So it's just it's Europa for them once again. Um, maybe, uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they just kind of give up because, I mean, there's two things with Conte. One, it's been pretty obvious for a while he really wants to win Serie A with this team. That's why they went mad in January um, and got him players like Ericsson that he perversely refuses to use. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that will be the sort of silver lining to this cloud. 
And look, Inter, I don't think Inter are going to sack him. He is on exorbitant money. He is one of the best paid coaches, not just in Syria, in the world. Um, and he's he's a really good coach. The, the, the curious thing is, it's I can, the, my only explanation for this ends up being those sort of really like kind of loose, vague things like it, he, he doesn't like it, he doesn't get it. There's something about um, you know the the different styles of play outside of playing in one league. You end up with these really vague, unconvincing arguments for how a really good squad with a manager that is exceptional just just they, you put them in this one competition and it doesn't work. So I've got nothing. I've got nothing to explain it. I don't see Conte losing his job. Um, I wish I could offer more because it's kind of my job, isn't it? But you <laughs> bail me out here. I think the only thing really is that when you, an Antonio Conte system is either do or die, it's all or nothing. And also the other thing aside from that is that it's when it doesn't work, it's terrible, but also there's no plan B. Antonio Conte is not a plan B or a plan C person. Antonio Conte is Antonio Conte and he likes the way he likes his football. And when he plays against teams that can offer maybe a little bit more of a 360 degree view, then he has real issues. And is it also maybe that the players that he has don't fit the system that he wants? But that's not true. How could you say that about Romelu Lukaku and Hakimi? I mean, Ashley Young still delivers. And Christian Eriksen, you know, there was once a time when we discussed as him being one of the best enemy fielders in the world. Like, what? What is happening? I agree with you. Sometimes I'm left like, because it's not just Inter Milan. Like, there's a, there's a resume here. And if he wants to win Serie A, by the way, that's also going to be a mountain to climb because mm-hmm. he's not doing it right now in terms of leading the table. That, so that, that Chelsea team should have been amazing in Europe. Yeah, totally. I have to assume he hates Europe. He, he's afraid of flying. <laughs> Something like that. Maybe. I don't, know. I don't know. All we know is that Antonio Conte is afraid of Europe or the other way around because it's just it's just not working out. Right, let's quickly move on. Bayern Munich, you know, they got a red card, uh, you know, Roca with that uh, second yellow, I believe, or was it a straight red? I can't remember, but either way, Bayern Munich went 3-1 against Salzburg, who had chances. They had chances, but they didn't take them. It doesn't matter. Lewandowski opens it up, uh, an own goal, and then followed by Leroy Sané in the 68th minute, making it 3-1. Bayern Munich punched their ticket to the knockout stages. Uh, and it's, you know, just pretty much what you expected, I guess, even with that red card. The one, the interesting one here, James, is uh, Atletico Madrid, who really now have found themselves in a situation where, oops, now what do we do? Because after Bayern, they're second with five points. Lokomotiv Moscow getting that point, have three. Salzburg with one, two matches remaining, all to play for in that second spot. Yeah, I um, I have a sneaky feeling it's not going to work out for them because I'm just, you know, looking at some of the numbers from the number of chances that Salzburg created in that game, they should have won. I mean, they actually, again, I hate to go back to the XG on this, but 3.44 XG for RB Salzburg against Bayern Munich, Mm. you know, take their chances and they've beaten the European champions. So I see no reason why they can't beat Atletico Madrid and, you know, I see no reason why you would expect Atleti to, to beat Bayern Munich. So there you go. I've, you can, can you put together a convincing argument for Atleti getting no more points. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen, but it, it feels very real. 
Um, it just feels like it's the same thing we were saying in the preview. There's no spark to Atleti. There's no, there's no finisher without Suarez. There's no, it's kind of everything in that final third is just a bit lacking. Yeah. And against, um, you know, Locomotive Moscow looked like they were going to punish them in the last minute. And that's all you need to do is just stay in these games against Atleti and they may well, you know, you may well get your chances. And I tell you what, that last game, the Salzburg Atleti, whatever the table is looking like in that game, the one after that for Atletico Madrid is the Madrid derby. So Simeone is going to have to figure out what is it that I need to do to make sure that we remain not also consistent, but also healthy. Right. So they play that Salzburg game on the Wednesday and then uh, three days later, they're, they're at the Bernabeu playing or no, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the Stefano Stadium against uh, Real Madrid. So that's going to be very, very interesting to your point. All right. Let's finish off here as we look around. Uh, Gladbach, by the way, again, you know, number one, Bayern as well. They are through Man City are through Liverpool, still leaving it tight. Um, and finally, finally, as we look at these games, we no, that's pretty much it. We had it all covered. <laughs> Actually, I have a question for you, James Bench. Yes. As we look around, because a question for you. Do you think Chelsea, Tottenham or another team will dethrone Liverpool this season? Or is Liverpool staying as Premier League champion? Um, and that's from Kyle Hewitt. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. Um, I don't think they will. I do think it's it's more likely. I, I wrote this about Spurs that the, I think Spurs and Chelsea are both two teams that at the moment look like they just won't really mess it up. They'll do enough to to get a creditable second place tally and almost like you see more variance with Liverpool because the injuries could strike they are going to be going through a lot of this season with a Matip Fabinho or Fabinho Reese Williams defense and that is going to lead to some weird results like it did tonight whereas Spurs right now are just rolling every setback seems to be minor is Alderweireld's now it might only be two weeks he's out Chelsea as well have this formidable strength in depth. You saw that last night where they just threw Olivier Giroud into the frame. And I think they may well, um, they, they may, they'll be pretty open to keeping him around and may well look to give him enough minutes to keep him around if they think they're in the title race. Yeah. It's Liverpool are by any measure playing the best football in the country at their best. It's just that it's much more of a high-wire balancing act as we saw against Villa, as we saw against Atalanta. And I think what Chelsea and Spurs have done really well is just position themselves so that if anything goes wrong, they're ready to pounce. Yeah, very, very good point. The only thing I'll say, Kyle, to add to that is that this is a very interesting season. <laughs> it's not necessarily one that I may compare it to anything else just because of what's going on. Uh, when I look at Tottenham, I just, I can't help but always think that their manager is Jose Mourinho. And at some point, you know, creativity runs out and teams, even teams that are not necessarily a top six will take over and you need every point that you can get if you want to dethrone Liverpool. Chelsea, on the other hand, um, have not lost since Tottenham's, since losing to Tottenham in the League Cup in September. So they're undefeated in 13. They've conceded one goal in the Champions League. I think that's like six straight wins out of seven. 
they they're just you know this is without play like Pulisic you know they have so much talent everywhere if they can handle if they can balance the Champions League James and the Premier League and everything that goes with it who's to say they can't keep going Chelsea makes me think of like an N- a really good NBA playoff team where they just have weapons that and it, it'd be really interesting it seems inevitable now that we will have five substitutions I don't particularly subscribe to the ar- argument that this is rigging the deck in favor of most big teams because most big teams fourth and fifth sub is pretty meh. he's not going to win many games for you Chelsea not Chelsea maybe. yeah Chelsea's fourth or fifth sub is Callum Hudson Adoy yeah Olivier Giroud like starters in almost every other team Chelsea are really deep and I, we don't we haven't talked about Premier League rosters like that in a long time but like they are ready to weather any storm and I think they're great and they have an amazing goalkeeper so I was just gonna say Edward Mendy looks on his way to being the best keeper in the Premier League he's just he's just that good obviously we need more of a repertoire to see that but absolutely so your answer Carl right now if there's anybody that can do it is Chelsea I think it's gonna be difficult but and it's early still but if they can balance it and take care of business, especially against the big teams and making sure they win away from home against the mid-table teams, anything can happen. Anything can happen. James Bench, any final thoughts before we say goodbye to you and our audience? Well, see, I, I prepared a um, Borussia Mönchengladbach joke, but it feels really forced now to refer to Brill Mbolo as Brill Mgolo <laughs> and do a Thomas Muller face whilst doing it. I was going to say. But I've done it. That is such a Thomas Muller dad, like dad joke. (laughs) I like it though. It's better than like, you know, now the thing about the thing about the Thomas Muller thing is that it's not even so much the joke is that after he said like Robert Lewandowski or whatever, like he gave that look to the press, like thinking that the press are going to be like, that is the greatest joke I've ever heard, Thomas. Thank you so much for that. Like that, the reaction afterwards is what killed me. It's so weird because I have, yeah, you know, whenever I'm, you're in a press conference and someone makes a joke, every journalist, and I hate to include myself in this, but it's true, we all go, oh, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. How did you come up with that? And it's so fake. But that Muller joke was so bad that we, no one could help but go, nah, not having that. It's just the look he gives. He goes, he goes, Robert Lewandowski, you like that? I got plenty more. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, from the ridiculous to the amazing James Bench, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. My pleasure. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and James Bench for joining me today. Make sure that you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, on Kegolasso Pod, and stay tuned because we have MLS preview we have weekend preview and so much more on Kego Lasso thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time <laughs>